I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Dr. John Ross. He's the former head of ER at the QE2 Hospital in Halifax. Let's talk about it. And uh, drinks are good? Drinks are good. All right. For now. I've got two. John, what, what are you drinking there? Blood? It's, it's what is that? Is that a glass of blood? Yeah, it's a little bit of watered-down blood. <laughs> mm. It's actually fermented blood. You know, ah, so you I, get I, quite a buzz off. It's quite nice. <laughs> I have to say, we, uh, so we, this is, this is um, our listeners have no idea where we are right now. We are currently not in our recording studio. Um, uh, we are, we're not in Halifax. We're outside of Halifax. Uh, we are at a, uh, what, what would you call this? A complex? Uh, a, uh, no, no, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> we're a little too Waco. Uh, we're cottages? At, yeah, we're at like a set Retreat? of cottages. Brian, what do you call it? Showback. <laughs> oh yeah, well that's the, I, 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 we're, we're, we're out at a showback right now. <laughs> yeah, so oh. at well, it's a farm. There we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we are at Showback. It is a farm, and uh, it's it is, literally in the title. Both of those things. <laughs> is it Showback? It's Showback Farms. Oh, I didn't know it was Showback Farms. I just I just knew it as Showback. Maybe singular. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, it is a um, a set of cottages and uh, a, like a little farm, kind of tucked away in this. In this cove, sheep. Um, there's sheep here. Yeah, there's beautiful, beautiful waves. Uh, you know, we're on the Atlantic coast, so the waves are just kind of crashing on, up on the beach, and um, and, and, and most of all, there's beautiful human beings. Yeah, we've got right. a little. This is like kind of a private, like living room wow. recording of the podcast, which is kind of neat. So there's a bunch of people here hanging out, having beer, and uh, sitting by the fire, and uh, we are joined by uh, none other than. Dr. John None Ross. other than. None other than Dr. John Ross. And John, you are not sick, I don't think. You don't look sick. I just got over a little sickness, but not chronically not sick. Not chronically sick. No. But you deal with uh, many sick people. You uh, yeah. were, why don't you tell us your, your title, what, what, what you did? What the heck am I doing? So I'm an emergency physician. <laughs> and uh, I've been doing emergency medicine for 27 years, I think, almost. Now, you used to run the show at the QE2, right? The QE2 emergency room? Yeah. And the QE2, for uh, all of our non-Haligonian listeners, is the major hospital in Halifax. Right. Uh, the Queen, the Queen Elizabeth <laughs> <Queenie>. to you. <laughs> yes. Um, and how long did you do that job? That was a five-year engagement. Um, it was uh, interesting. I, I, I put my heart and soul into it, and then I was happy to have it done with, after five years. Working in the uh, in the ER um, for you know a majority of your your all career, all of your <laughs> career, a majority of your life, right? Um, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, you're what, 33 yeah, years right, old? Yeah, right, so yeah. Just, yeah, just about five years before, and then I get started getting into... Yeah, okay, exactly. right. Yeah. How old are you, though? How old are you, actually? Oh, man, right off the bat, it's like, what, two minutes into this show? Don't I'm worry, don't age. worry, the last guy on the podcast, I asked him if his dick worked right away. <laughs> That's right. Like, three minutes I'm into really the conversation. In, yes, huh? yes, is the answer to that question. No. I, I just clicked over to 61. Uh, literally, Ooh. what, Four days, four days ago. Or oh wow! Well, happy birthday! Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Thank yeah, much. sweet. So almost the majority of your life. Not, not yeah, quite. Not Jer- quite. Jeremy's right. not very good well, at so basic math. Arith- arithmetic, right? Yes. Yeah, math, Jer- math and me are not friends. Uh, <laughs> nor are many other things like grammar and uh, <laughs> punctuation. Punctuation. Yeah. That's, that's why you buy a calculator. That's right. Yeah. Or, or you have one on your phone, of course. Yeah, and then have Taylor with me for when I need to write things down. Right. Um, so. People. I'm I'm guessing that the the life of an ER doc uh, comes with a host full of um, stresses. Um, what what was that work like? I mean, like, I know, and I know that's a super broad, like, general <laughs> mm, question, but okay. um, it, how intense is an ER room? Yeah. I, you know, so. When I sit and I think, oh, I'm, I, if I today, someone was like, Jeremy, you got to go work at the ER for, uh, for, for five years. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I've never seen the most like traumatic thing I've ever seen in real life might have been the time I actually just broke my own collarbone. Um, but like, I've never seen anything super, super gnarly in terms of like someone really badly injured or someone, yeah. you know, very close to death or something like that. To me, that seems like a, a, obviously, that is a traumatic event for the person involved, but also right. to me, the, yeah. the idea of seeing that would be very traumatic for my for myself. Um, is there a is there an, an aspect to medical training uh, that that is specifically designed to prepare an individual for something like an, uh, an ER position? Uh, I think it probably takes a certain type that wants to go into that for whatever reason. Um, and then there's just the, the exposure of just seeing stuff over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, you sort of get comfortable with, 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 uh, with the unknown. Because, I mean, every time you start up, you show up for a shift, you have no idea what's coming in the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you basically fasten your seatbelts and you say, <clears throat> okay, well, Here we go. Whatever, whatever happens. And, but you're not working alone, though, right? I mean, you're, you're working with a bunch of other people. Um, so it's, it is, it, this is probably one of the few truly team-based sports where, yeah. where, you know, nursing and doctors and, and all sorts of other supportive paramedics and, and administrative people. So they're all there, you know, and, and so I may not have all the answers, but nurse on the side will say, well, have you thought about this or I'm going to do this? And it's like, oh yeah, great. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, we should do that. So it, it tends to be a kind of a very supportive, collaborative sort of thing. I'm glad you said that because this is something that comes up on the podcast quite a bit. And as you know, and as our listeners know, uh, we speak to people who are sick generally, hmm. people who have, um, you know, uh, any kind of physical ailment, mental illness. Um, we dive into sexual health sometimes. And one of the things that we hear from people about their experience of being sick is they're like, almost this sense of... Um, frustration or anger that their doctor didn't know something or their their doctor couldn't figure out what the problem was or they're like shocked that their um, diagnosis didn't come sooner because something was left unseen. And I think a lot of, um, a lot of blame gets, gets placed on the doctor. And I totally get that, you know, as someone who is a patient, I get, I get why you would feel that way. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to go through and obviously, 
pointing a finger to blame, like, well, there's, there's got to be blame somewhere, right? At the, at the expert, I think, really. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's, yeah. it's, auto, it's easy. Or who's to, perceived to be the expert. In yeah. The, well, let, let, let me give you, give you an example. So abdominal pain, <coughs> super common. Um, probably, probably the most common reason for people to go, out to, go to emergency departments. About 60% of the time, we figure out what the problem is. Mm-hmm. The other 40%, no idea. Yeah. I mean, so, but our job is sometimes to say, okay, this is exactly what this is. This is an appendicitis. You need to have this appendix out. The other time is to say, okay, here's what you don't have. You don't have appendicitis. You don't have a gallbladder problem. You don't have <coughs> da 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 that's good news. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever this is, either you've come too soon and just need to live, wait a little bit longer or, you know what, this is just going to go away. On so are you working from, are you working from uh, the basis of trying to eliminate the things that would need the most immediate care? Yeah, absolutely. So we, 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 we work on a, on a rule out basis. So when you come in with chest pain, what's the first thing you would think about with chest pain? Heart, heart, attack? heart attack? Absolutely, right. So that's the first thing we think about too. Hey, you guys are basically natural. I, can, I, 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 think, think, I, mean, I think I'm a doctor. Could be a doctor. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I'm waiting for my honorary degree, actually. Yeah, well, Just from this you know, podcast. I mean, we, That's the only reason we're doing it. Yeah. I don't want your <laughs> listeners to necessarily take home that this isn't rocket science, but you know what? It's not rocket science. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so we think about, uh, about heart attack. We think about other bad things. So, you know, there's a big blood vessel in your chest that could be about to blow up. It could be a, a, a collapsed lung that gives you chest pain. Yeah. It could be pneumonia. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there are a bunch of things on the ones list. And so you, you do a test and you listen and you ask some more questions and you can rule out a bunch of stuff. It's funny because we have these conversations and, and when you have the person in front of you that is going, well, my, you know, my doctor didn't uh, do this or do that, or I don't think he or she did. So like I, I went home and I was like, what the fuck? I don't, I know, I don't know. And we're like, yeah, what the hell? And then <laughs> you're sitting here fair. with a doctor and you're like, yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> well, well, of course. Well, people, the other trouble though is people will wait in the waiting room for like six hours. Yeah. Right? And they think that they've really got something. And then. You know, you hear your hear their story, and within a few seconds, you think this is not going to be anything bad, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, a couple more questions, maybe a blood test or two, and then you go back and say, "Yeah, good news, you don't have da da da." And then they leave, and they go, "Yeah, the fucking doctor didn't do anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> he told and, you you didn't have a heart attack, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know, like the, the, but they missed out the fact that okay, I just told you, yeah, you don't have all these bad things, which is great. This, this kind, is a good news story. Yeah. This kind of leads into the question that I, I wanted to ask, and and that's. So you've done this for like 25 years. Yeah. So obviously there's something that you love about it. And is it the fact that it's so easy to do that you love it? <laughs> That's or what, it yeah, or what is it that you actually what is it the, the, on, a, on a serious note, on a serious note what, what do you actually why do you what, do these podcasts <laughs> it's just so easy it's too easy yeah well, well it is pretty an easy. idiot can do it right? <laughs> yeah I'm a little bit annoyed that you guys show up and within a few minutes you got all set up and like this is the, this is your job damn where did I go wrong it's because you're good at math and I'm not they're on my night shifts on Christmas Eve or Christmas thinking, okay, I'm, I'm grinding away, and you guys are showing up and having a couple of beers. Do you want to know how many years I went to school to do this? <clears throat> oh, jeez, I don't, I don't Zero. <laughs> zero years, zero days, Damn. zero months, zero weeks. I'm 61. I'm, I'm vulnerable right now. <laughs> this is hurting me. But, uh, anyway, but actually, uh, but seriously, you, you, you must love it because you've, you've been doing it. And, and I guess in a doctor's career, there is the possibility that you could um, explore different paths, yep, right? Absolutely. So, and yep. you've stayed in the in the same one. So, yep. what is it that you love about being an ER specialist? Well, it's 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 a, it's a great question, and you want people go into ophthalmology or some other ology because they really want it. Generally, because they they feel uncomfortable doing what I do. 
So I, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a weirdo. And yet some of us that have... The, it's part, I have more of a short attention span problem. If I was doing eyeball stuff every day, I would be sticking hot needles in my own eyeballs. Does, <laughs> right. does the discomfort come from the massive amount of... Of you know um, the unknown of knowing what walks through the door, or does does they just? I mean, maybe it's. I guess it's probably more than just one thing. I was going to say, does the discomfort come from the the intensity of of ER? Which discomfort um, are you talking? About? Like the discomfort of why people choose not to do oh, what see, you okay. went to school to do. Um, I think I think having to to know a, a bunch of things about almost everything, every aspect. So you know, I'm a gynecologist on one with one patient. <clears throat> I'm seeing a chest pain. I'm a psychologist or psychiatrist, mm. um, a pediatrician. I mean, so, so it's a, it's a multi multi part job, and and uh, I think people who don't want to do that feel uncomfortable with that multidisciplinary. Have yeah. to know a little bit about everything. And I think for some, it's not as satisfying either, because I'm really I'm I'm not quite the Walmart greeter, but I you know I mean there's an element of that of I'm the front door guy, and I'm then going to say okay, so uh, sick, <coughs> not sick, not sick, not sick, sick. And of those sick people, then I'm going to send you off to the <coughs> cardiologist or the right. whatever. And they're going to now really, really, really drill in. And that's what they like to do. Where did that come from? Right? Yeah. So, because you don't go to, did, or did you go to med school going, I'm going to be working in the ER? I, or did, I, did you kind of figure it out as you went through? I started a bit later, um, having kind of goofed off a bit. And uh, the, uh, the ship was sort of going from east to west to north. To, so I was, I was, so the, the, I, when, I, when I finally settled on what I was going to do, I had a pretty good sense I was going to do emergency. But uh, as I went through, I must say, I, you know, I liked doing psychiatry rotations. I, I, I enjoyed the, the surgery, surgery. I did some medicine. Uh, so each one of the things I did, I thought, oh, this is actually pretty cool. I could see doing this. But when it, when it came down to it, every time I was on one of those other services, uh, it was going down to the emergency department to see a patient who'd come in with someone who'd now been referred to cardiology, and I was playing that role. That I go, oh, you know, I, I like I like the going down to emerge and trying to figure out, you know, exactly what this is. So mm-hmm. it was it was like the Sherlock Holmes part of the job, of uh, you know. So they've come in the door. They're that's, saying that's cool. They're not <clears throat> like diagnosed that. yet. I don't really know. You know, they don't know what their problem is. And if I can kind of come up with, okay, I think this is what your what your issue is, or here's all the things you don't have. Mm-hmm. I found that the most satisfying. I, uh, I one thing you said almost right off the bat it was in, in like the first few sentences that you said that you said was when I think you asked, "Are you desensitized to it?" And then mm-hmm. you said, "Well, I hope not." Mm-hmm. Um, I was just really caught by that by that response because. In some aspects, you uh, one might think, oh, well, you would get desensitized to, I mean, especially if you're seeing like lots of tra- like really traumatic injuries coming through the door. Um, but on the other side of that thought, that that being able to f- really feel what's like the, the, the situation at hand that's coming through and not being des- desensitized to it, in the way of being able to control it, which I'm sure a good ER, ER doctor can, being able to use that to your advantage to kind of like draw upon all your faculties to, yeah. to, to help with the situation. Staying calm, staying calm is, is obviously important. Part of that's the training, though, too, is that, you know, there's only so much that you can do all at one time. And so being able to say, okay, so, yeah, there's a lot of there's blood spurting out of here and this leg's bent and Buddy's got the <laughs> gurgling sounds or whatever. <laughs> you know, there's a few, a few priorities that seem to be at play here. We know, but, okay, so I can only do so much. Let's, let's, 
we kind of from training know that the sound is probably the one that you need to fix first. Mm -hmm. And then once you've got that kind of under control, then we'll put some pressure on the bleeding thing and, and then we'll straighten out the leg. And, you know, within a few minutes, you've actually got a few things going. And, 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 and after you do that for a while, then it starts becoming, you don't have to sort of pause and say, okay, well, uh, what do I do next? Or let, let me get out my book and remind myself. It becomes part of your, 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 your thing. Can, can I just say one more thing? Though? Totally. Um, just the, the whole trauma and emergency and stress and all that stuff yeah. that, you, that you mentioned earlier at the very beginning. You know, you have to remember that when you watch the show ER or mm -hmm. Emergency, one of those things, they take a month's, uh, two months worth of stuff and they compress it into an hour program mm. and they're flashing from this scene to that scene to that and it's all dramatic and there's all sorts of stuff happening and you know really i'm i'm more in a, a kind of an accelerated family doctor office in right. some ways with oh yeah totally you know a yeah, lot of yeah. stuff i see is is pretty it's you know it's they're nice folks and they're worried about whatever and it's pretty kind of low level yeah. stuff but even with like i mean i've only been to i've been to the er for a number of reasons due to cf and like generally those situations are they're not like um I don't look at those situations as like, oh my God, this is an immediate thing that I need to get figured out right away. It's like, a, oh, this could be something bad. So it's, I better. It's maybe brewing and I yeah, want to get on top I, of I it. I better early, look right? into it. Yeah. But there has, like, when I broke my collarbone, that felt like all seasons of ER all at once, <laughs> all in my fucking collarbone. Like, I was like, <laughs> get me out of here. You know, and it was like really intense. Very painful. And yeah. so I think I equate that experience or, you know, like you sure. say, media to, to what we see as like the ER, you know? Oh, the, the media portrays the ER like uh, diving out of a, a plane without a parachute and trying to catch it before you hit the ground. Yeah. That's kind of how I imagine that scenario. It's like, I don't have my parachute on. As long as I catch it before I hit the ground, it's going to be okay. Right. And then that's mm. like that hour of whatever that show is that's trying to be like, oh, cold, you cold just never black. feel like you're on top yeah. of things. Yeah. My, my roommate's but, been watching a lot of Grey's Anatomy lately, oh, and yeah. it just makes me really, like, I haven't even watched an episode, but it just makes me so sad. Like, every scene, I just, I walked past the TV, and, like, through osmosis, I just, like, start to tear up. Is there but, that much sex going on? In the hospital? Is, oh, yeah. is that a thing? Man, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, honey. My wife's here. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course not. No, of course um, not. Uh, can we quickly do our last experiences going to the ER? And then, and actually, John, you can do oh. yours too. Uh, I, got, I got pumped full of fentanyl after I broke my collarbone. Okay, Taylor, Taylor, go. Um, ooh, I think I thought I broke my arm, but I didn't actually. Uh, that's pretty, Probably that's pretty that's, boring. John, that, is that, that a lot? But that's pretty yeah. sore, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was really sorry. I just took a friend of our family in for his forearm last week for the same thing. Thought he broke his arm. It's actually point tennis. It seemed like it was a pretty good story. But, yeah, um, now actually, to, to, to now I can't even remember what it was for. It was like I, I had. Oh, you know what? I was skateboarding with Dean Petty, uh, and uh, I was I was <laughs> I was falling so aggressively on my hands so many times. Oh, yeah. I've fallen probably you know thirty times with like huge force right on my yeah. on my wrist, and I thought that the that like the stress had eventually just cracked my uh, one of my <laughs> your wrist just my... said enough. Yeah. I'm breaking now. Yeah, and, and it ended up being okay. Um, the <coughs> last time I went, I so usually when we go and watch live music, I find that like I can just hear it better if I put it, like earplugs in. It just huh? sounds so much better, yeah. and because uh, it's not like a really aggressive on my ears. So I went oh, to this dear. I went to this show and uh, I didn't have earplugs, so I went into the bathroom. I grabbed some toilet paper, just balled it up, <gasps> put it in my ears. <laughs> Uh, about halfway through the show, I like, stuck my finger in my ear, and I was like, oh, 
feels like it fell out, but it definitely doesn't sound like it fell out. And I realized that there was paper towel or toilet paper like shoved down my ears. So I went to the (coughs) ER and went inside. And then they took me. They took me. Yeah. So (laughs) they took me in. They took me in very quickly. (laughs) Didn't have to wait. I stood outside and was like, (laughs) (laughs) the natural Uh, next step after going to the ER. Okay. This this is a true emergency. Oh, no wonder they took me in quickly. Yeah. And then they just took paper uh, in my ear, pal. (laughs) (laughs) They took tweezers and just pulled it right out. And I went right back to the bar. Nice. 45 minutes. It was great. Before we get to John, just to piggyback on that, um, how many incidences have you experienced over your time over the ER? People coming in and being like, I lost something up my butt. I I was wondering when you were going to ask that. I've got to know. A lot. I mean, I've seen seen a really interesting mix of stuff up people's bums. Jeremy's gone in like three or four times. (laughs) No, no. Is that why, Uh, this is why this whole thing was arranged, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. After this little podcast. I gotta make myself feel better to know that other people He actually has something there presently. (laughs) I noticed he was shaking his chair quite a bit. (laughs) Wondering what that was about. Can't get comfortable. (laughs) What is the craziest, uh, wackiest object you've you've found in someone's butt? Um... Uh, so I probably the one that comes to mind quickly is someone uh, unscrewed the leg off a off a sofa. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, so, you know, and you know that those things have the yeah metal, the, the metal the screw like thing, and it's threaded, screw, right? yeah. And it was a, a tapered tapered thing with a little metal ball on the end of it, and, oh, and he god. stuffed that whole thing right inside. Oh my god, that hurts my butt so much just thinking oh, about come on, that. This is like ultimate. So you talked about fentanyl earlier. This yeah. is like the ultimate <clears throat> sexual experience. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> oh my now, god. Now, mind you, the splinters suck. Yeah. Oh, oh god. god. Yeah, 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 you gotta sand it. You gotta sand it. What kind of fucking couch was this? Oh my god. I don't know if, like, seeing that stuff all the time, and I don't even want to ask you this question, so I'm just going to, like, put it out there and not really direct it at you. But, like, does, <laughs> does seeing all that, that, that stuff in people's butt make you want to experiment more, or does, it, or does it, like, totally turn you off of the idea? Does it make me want... So I didn't say you, I didn't say you. But the key word there there. was more, so it's suggesting (laughs) I'm already doing this on my own. He was assuming you were into it already. (laughs) Right. I I just meant the desire, not the fact that you were actually doing it, but... So I give these guys some advice. I say, listen, pal, okay, so this thing, you know... My, from my experience, (laughs) and then I suggest other objects. (laughs) I mean, I don't get it, though. Like, I, I, I get... I get sticking stuff up your butt, oh, 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 totally. But why? Why you are do? people? Well, yeah, totally, absolutely. Okay. Hey, look, I've look. Okay, we don't no, have no, to no, go no, down that, that road. Okay, that's fine. But okay. uh, but why are you sticking couch legs up your ass? Like, right. there's there there's a reason objects. that excitement video is in is down in Lower Sackville. Like, right. you know, go <laughs> down Main Street, Dartmouth, and pull into the you know pull into. Pleasures and treasures, and, and pick you can up buy a, things that are kind of designed kinda, for that you know, purpose. Exactly, right. you know, it doesn't get anyway. And there's no batteries in that leg either. I mean, that was the other <laughs> yeah, thing. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, just sat there and did nothing <laughs> except except rip the shit out of his butt. <laughs> well, well, here's the other, like I mean, figuratively, that, not literally. <laughs> yeah, like what kind of a right? It actually plugged the shit out. Sorry, <laughs> okay. yeah, that, I'm assuming that's a, quite a like that can end up being quite a, an emergency. Like if oh, something gets totally. lost up Absolutely. there. It's bad. You, yeah, it's pretty, like, I, yeah. assume, I mean, God, with the, like a, you know, it's not a screw, but like that sort of. Um, we get it. Well, yeah. yeah. But, but what I'm, what I'm going to ask no, but, is like, okay. if it's up there, like, I mean. It's a surgical procedure. How do you get it out? Well, so there's a couple things. It depends on the size. 
Depends on. Let's um, stick with this uh, chair, this uh, couch chair leg. leg thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, so in the couch leg case, <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember if, if we probably if he probably went up to the OR to the operating room and had it done under a, a local like on general anesthesia. We we, we will often um, depends on the size of it and the object itself. I mean, there's a couple of things. One is. It goes around the bend of your backbone, right? So your lower coccyx. Yeah. And so you got to get it kind of around that, that piece first. And then you can kind of get it out. But there's also a suction effect. So unless there's a big gas bubble, uh, oh, which is called no. a... Uh, what's the F word? Anyway. Fart. Right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so unless there's something that kind of help propel it out, then there's a suction effect. I know this is weird, but you're, you asked. So in, in, when you start pulling on it, the suction's pulling back. And you're like, oh, come on. Oh, my so, God. Wait, so when so you're so pulling... So then you have to put a catheter... Past, you put the put a little piece of uh, like, like drain plastic the air tubing. Out. Put a, well, you put plastic tubing around the around uh, behind it around it, which allows air to come from the outside world into the the rectum as you pull it out. It's now filling up with air. So you're not you're not in, doing any incisions to go in. No, no, no. You're, you're, it's all done with the, If with it goes the in the butt, it's coming out. It's the butt. coming out the butt. Exactly. Owie. I'm really glad that we're spending a lot of time on this. Yeah, yeah. thank yeah. you so yeah. much for that, Jeremy. I actually do really appreciate the it. number <laughs> of years of training we spent specifically on this topic. Oh my God! Yeah, do you do you actually? No, okay, never mind. Don't answer that. <laughs> it's it's a little bit like they don't mention that quite on the training video or the, you know the poster of you know emergency medicine. Say, oh, by yeah. the way, you're going to be taking. So I mean, the other thing is you didn't ask. So women have another option. So, so people yeah. put stuff yeah. there. Too. Right, right, right. I'm just, yeah. I'm just gonna move on past okay. this so we can get on something more. Well, let's come back to uh, to John's. Uh, have you ever had a crazy experience where you had to go to the ER, not for work? Um, I've, uh, you know, I've been a touch. I'm touching wood now. I, I don't think that I've had any major. Brian, put that away. Reasons for going. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little slow on that one, but uh, <laughs> touch on wood. I, okay. Yeah, slow. Anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was funny. Are you, are you like? Are you? Are you? Uh, a, a, like. Do you do you consider yourself a pretty um, like in terms of like risk assessment? Are you pretty pretty high up on the on the uh, the scale? Like risk assessment. yeah, like like do you, like would you ever go skydiving or or would oh, you ever, I see. Like, I'm a risk you know, taker. I, well, I, I don't. No, I, I don't see the point of that. Mm. And I know I do. Um, I do. I do some risky things. I guess I'm not a crazy risky guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, and it, it, it's probably as a result of my job. That was yeah. yeah that was what I was. Wondering. I mean ladders. I mean I, I actually. I, I, I've sort of scaled back in my ladder climbing a fair amount, and uh, no, I just I've seen so many stupid that's, things. Yeah, that's so funny you say that about ladders because I was on a, a ladder like last week and it was kind of wobbly, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to keep going up it because I've never seen anybody fall off a ladder. Oh baby! And then the end of it, he fell, and the, oh. the lag went up his butt, and then he had to go. <laughs> To the, the emergency room. So that's and why like, we asked that question. I fell off a yeah. ladder and I need this to be right. taken yeah. out of my butt. And it's a 20-footer, so uh, <laughs> yeah. keep on pulling. Just to come Boys, back. Boys, I can really take it. So <laughs> just in case. Uh, Brian? Uh, yeah, God damn Brian. Command, no. I was just trying to make you guys feel uncomfortable because no you're making right? me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> no fentanyl you know, um, for me. You know what? We, let's, uh, let's get on to the topic of fentanyl because we've actually been trying to talk about this for for. Well, the better part of the last like six months, we've been kind of searching for somebody. Actually, you know oh. who I wanted to have? Do you know Mike Evans? Yes. I, I Mike Evans is a good friend of mine, and I and I and I, I put out a note to him to to uh, to be on the show to talk about fentanyl, and I I think I misplaced the right email or I misspelled it, but um, it's such a uh, it's such a crazy I don't know what would, would you call it an epidemic? 
I don't know yeah, what no, you it's call a, it. It is definitely, it's, it's, it's a public health <clears throat> crisis epidemic, yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's just, I mean, Jeremy speaks to it from his own personal experience of having it. I've never been uh, been exposed to it. And I know that it is, uh, you know, kind of shift gears from, uh, you know, stuff in people's butts to like a serious issue yeah, in, yeah. in the world. But, but people are dying from this. So it's, <clears throat> a, it's a big topic. Yeah. Is it as bad out here as it, uh, is it's, it in it's, the West? It, we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not, we're not nearly where the West is. We're getting, know, we're getting there in terms coming. of like Atlantic Canada or the East Coast East we, we, of Canada. We, we've been really lucky um, in this province, in this region, really. We, you know, crack, uh, it was, it, it's been an issue, um, but uh, some of the other drugs just are, have not made it here as much, which can, has been good. Can you speak to why it's so bad? Like, can you, for, for if someone's listening who has no idea what the fuck fentanyl means, yeah. What makes it so? Uh, what makes it so intense? Also, so it's uh, it's a hundred times more uh, potent than morphine, for instance. You use very very small amounts. Uh, it's now made as little pills by by you know questionable labs. So you never really know what you're getting. Uh, you have, you don't know how much you're getting. Uh, you don't know what the quality of the stuff is like. And if you're a little bit altered and you take the stuff, then your judgment. I mean, you, so you, so there's just so many reasons why this can go wrong. And one of its biggest side effects is it has a really quick onset. And so the side effects of opioids are that they, it's one, of the, one of the big side effects is, is you stop breathing or you decrease your breathing. Uh, so if you stop your breathing for, you know, go ahead and hold your breath for 30 seconds. For the record, I can do it for the longest. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I can do it second longest. Okay, yeah, excellent. I'm actually, yeah, just saying. I progress very quickly with a little bit of training. I, great. Yeah, so <laughs> with fentanyl, all three of you would still die. Yeah. <laughs> that's the point. So that's, that's the problem, is, is that once you stop breathing, even for a little while, um, then, uh, then you're basically toast. Mm. And, that, and that's what's happening to these guys. And now, is this a new drug? Or? No, no, it's been around for, for a long, long time. But um, because it's, it's just, I guess, more accessible than, than, than heroin, um, and uh, how, how is it more? Is it, I don't yeah. know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't have a great answer for you. Right. That, um, but I know that these pills are being made by labs that are, you know, that are that are obviously not medicinal purposes. Right. Right. Course. So when you were saying all of that, that that you know they're being made by questionable labs, you're talking about everything that is like street use, not like obviously nothing that's yeah. Well, mm. so a real fentanyl. I mean, if I, so I, if I had a little vial of fentanyl right like here, what they this, gave me with my that'd be hundred micrograms in a in a little vial that I'm I'm holding up. My it's about the size of the Brian's the, penis. Okay, right. Well, that's about. <laughs> well, that's pretty big. From what I've heard is twice. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I have I, nothing to say. How old this. are we? Like, we're, yeah. Jesus Christ, we're almost thirty, if, and if we're if still you making. If show me right jokes? now, I can give, give you a sense of how big the. Yes. Oh, Brian, sit down for crazy. Okay. About half Sorry, of you. I thought he was serious. Anyway, a small vial. Let's, yeah. We'll just go with small, and everyone will understand what that means. Um, it's like an inch or two inches. It's right? 100 yeah. micro, micrograms. Yeah. If I gave that to myself IV intravenously right now, um, I would get what you, what you described earlier is that, oh, my God, um, euphoria feeling. I, 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 I might slow my breathing. I might even stop. Temper, very very briefly. So 100 mm. micrograms is not that much, but 100 Micro. micrograms, which is a hard to imagine, is like a, you know a and I don't know what the exact amount, but it's like a grain of sand, of of, uh, of salt, maybe right. less than a grain of salt. Oh wow! <clears throat> so we're talking about a tiny tiny amount. If you take two grains of salt, then there's a chance that you will stop breathing long enough. Is it is it uh, uh, diluted or something? Like you say, it's diluted. Okay, yeah. okay. So it's 100 micrograms within like saline solution or something right. like that. Right, in, okay. in, in water, or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so it's, so it's a liquid, but uh, it's but but so again, like take, take, taking a grain of of, of sugar or salt mm-hmm. and then mixing it with water and giving that to you, and that alone 
is enough is enough is enough power to to basically saturate all little receptors in your in your in your yeah. body. So so why did they make it? Like it, if does it it doesn't cure does it, anybody, right? Like it doesn't make well, it. So, but well, for for for, for like fraction, in, immense okay, pain. Okay, yeah, for sure, for serious sure. Pain. But does that pro? Does that positive right. outweigh the, the negative side effects when, of it? When given under the right circumstances with the right monitoring. So you're on a heart monitor. We've got a, an oxygen saturation monitor. We know exactly how much your bloodstream is. I'm watching you. Are you breathing or not? Can I assist you if I have to? Under those circumstances, perfectly fine. In mm-hmm. fact, very humane, t- perfect medicine. Because to me it sounds a little bit like... like the United States has nuclear weapons, but they just have them not to use them just to show other countries that they like have the them. But then, yeah. then like the bad guys, like in North Korea, right. they've got but a I bunch mean, and they're going to blow them all yeah, up. Yeah, but like just put yourself in the situation of being in, you know, like, like right now someone comes over here and like compound fractures your arm, right? Like you are in a situation where you need to have that pain relieved. Like you or just, else you what though? Is, but do is, I? The, is the idea that it is just a more efficient drug than something like morphine? Yeah. Is, that, is that it's like it's, it's, it's one pro above it's, everything else? It's predictable in terms of its onset, and we know when it's going to go away. Um, it has fewer side effects than morphine. So the other f- uh, side effects of morphine are, are blood pressure blood pressure related, uh, whereas fentanyl is pretty stable. <clears throat> doesn't affect the heart. So it's actually a, it's a really targeted, effective analgesic. But it has the side effect of all the things we talked about. Right. Its addiction potential is just that much greater. And then when it gets into the hands of of, uh, of people that are, want to abuse it, it's not that hard. Like we had a we had one of a we had one of our guests like early on when we started the show um, <clears throat> was a uh, a former heroin addict, and he had you know told us about his his some of his experiences uh, living out west and and taking fentanyl and I mean. Just the 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 weight that came with those stories of uh, of his experiences and just the 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 damage that he now, especially in hindsight looking back, knows that it caused. I mean, it's just uh, and you hear you hear talk about it all the time. I mean, it's it's in headlines up and down the U.S. and Canada about all the all the ways that it's. You know, basically just wreaking havoc on some societies. Well, in fact, the the the, the, the um, havoc that, that that's being wreaked um, upon society is is because it's that euphoric thing you just talked about. And if one has that sensitivity to be able to that, that, that desires that and mm. then gets hooked on it very quickly, as you can, and you can imagine why, then their only reason for for living is to find a way of getting more of it. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. will sacrifice their friends. <clears throat> they'll steal from anybody. They, they need to get the next hit. Uh, and and, it, and it's, it's devastating. So, you know, it wrecks all friendships and, and relationships and jobs and everything else. And then, then the, the, the other hard part, though, is that they say, okay, you know what? As of today, it's Saturday. I, I'm going to get off this stuff. Well, okay, so by tomorrow, when it's now leaching out of your system and your body's saying, okay, it's time for the next one, I, I need another hit, then the withdrawal is so difficult. Mm. It's so horrible. Now, it doesn't kill you, unlike 
uh, um, alcohol withdrawal or some of the withdrawal from other drugs that actually can make you really sick and potentially die, like mm-hmm. DTs from alcohol. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't you, know don't, you don't die from, from opium, wow. uh, uh, opioid uh, withdrawal, but you go through horrible abdominal pain and vomiting and shakes, and it just you know feels awful. So they do anything they can do to, to Is avoid there anything it. being done? Uh, or or can, I guess, can you speak to the things that are being done right now to uh, get fentanyl off the streets? Well, <clears throat> um, so controlling the source is, is, is obviously a big piece of this. But... I'd like to go down even further. There's not, not very much people, people don't talk much about, so why do folks get into this in the first place? And, mm-hmm. and there's a certain group that are going to be difficult to deal with, but a lot of it has to do with, 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 with poverty, with you know, hopelessness, with you know, sort of social, social problems in our society. And, and this is often a manifestation of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're seeing the symptom of social issues that are that are bigger than just you know blaming you for being a hero, you know a, a fentanyl addict oh yeah uh, but we tend to say okay okay so we're going to put you in jail for being a bad boy and we're trying to control um, you know the DEA and in the in the Canadian equivalent are flying you know we're spending bazillion trillions of dollars on trying to control this stuff and people are finding it's such a you know high income activity that they're going to find ways of getting it in here but we don't spend enough we don't we don't spend those trillions on saying hey how about if we get we talked about you know better income for everybody and let's let's deal with homelessness mm. and you know all those other things that we don't really deal with well it's like cutting the head off the weed instead of digging out the root i mean oh, i mean perfect. it's it yeah. there's Great just analogy. and i know that 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 um <clears throat> That is really commonly what we do is we say, you know, we pick up that person and go, well, you're doing that. So you're we're going to, we're going to, you're bad and we're going to pluck right. you up. But right. the circumstances and, and, you know, again, to go back to that, that, uh, episode we did with our, a guest that was a heroin addict. I mean, you know, he, when you hear his story, I mean, there's obviously so much beneath the surface that, right. that, that lends to why yeah. or how he be, he came to this place Abuse, where then he was being, he was or, abusing. Yeah. And I mean, you know, social social issues, from uh, family issues, neighborhood issues, and like everything to do with your environment. It's just this like cluster right. of reasons why someone might find themselves in this situation and trying to access this like super dangerous. But I, but drug. I put you in jail, and now you feel guilty about that. Now you're a failure, <clears throat> and you're a loser. And right. So we just taken your your you know reason for going on the stuff in the first place, and just said, okay, here's a couple extra reasons why you're an, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. And, and then also when you get not- out, and then when you get out. Good right. luck finding a job, right. Right. like all that stuff. It basically, just enhancing just the reason cycle. for you to go yeah. back to what you were into, and also yeah. leaving that <laughs> that environment remains the same to uh, lend itself to another person who ends up in that same position, right? Yeah. Totally. So yeah. again, you know, if, as a society, it would be nice for us to say, "Listen, we need to redirect some of this money that we're spending on, on policing and everything else, and let's let's start looking more at the social fabric." And I, that's a big topic, but. I think, do you think they, yeah. maybe that's why we don't because everyone's because somebody somewhere goes, that's just too hard. Yeah. Which is sad to think if that is a possibility or if that is something that's happening. That is, mm. that would suck. But if you're a police guy, I guess I shouldn't be bashing my police because they do great work. But, you know, if you want to buy more equipment and get more stuff and more surveillance stuff, it's all pretty sexy to buy all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Right, mm. right. <laughs> but, special missions. Yeah. But, but I mean, go to Asia. Hey, flying, I'll, flying I'll, I'll go to Asia and I'll see if I can find out where they're where they're where they're making this stuff. And while I'm there, I'll go to the beach and right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it'd be really great. <laughs> and I mean, I guess that 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 also kind of you know that lends itself just talking about 
that uh, fentanyl and like the root cause and the environmental issues that lead to that. And then, and then putting somebody in jail and going, you're bad. And then when you release, you've got a record and then it's even harder for you to get your life on track. And I mean, you can then lend that conversation to like, you know, marijuana legalization in, in Canada or down or in the U S and the massive laws that basically say, okay, well, you know, you were, you, you were selling weed to somebody to, you sold a guy a gram of weed and now you're going to jail and you've got a record. Now try getting your life on track and all that. That just, it's a massive conversation. Yeah. 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 Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Um, I, I, I do want to bring it back to uh, uh, ER and your experience with that. Um, and one of the things that you, you, you and we're kind of hopping around here, but you mentioned earlier about... It's, it's, what, it's what emergency doctors do. We yeah. hop around. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that uh, one of the key things about, you know, handling a, uh, an emergency situation is the ability to not kind of panic and see, okay, well, I have A, B, C... I have to take care of it in this order. Yeah. Um, we actually talked about the ABCs. Oh, oh yeah. There yeah. you go. Uh, Not a boy. Uh, so this uh, is not rocket science. See, I, Damn it. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that after today, I am going to walk straight into the QE2 <laughs> and demand my job. I'm going to give you a stethoscope. We wrap that around your neck. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is you'll be on shift, coat, baby. You'll be like, oh, you're here for your shift? You're right, yeah. Say, you're over there. Um, <laughs> yes, I do know the ABCs. <laughs> Where do I go? <laughs> um uh, but I was wondering if there there ever was an incident in your career where you did kind of uh, lose sight of that, or you did kind of panic, or or have like a, a bit of a freakout. Mm. Um, yes. Next question. <laughs> Damn, what, what I'm not getting that? off the hook yeah. so easily. Well, what was that experience? Well, it's, it's, I probably have had. I've had. Well, I'll, get, I'll, I'll give you two that come to mind if you, if that's okay. So one mm. was. Um, one was a was a there was a nineteen year old woman that was in a car crash and she was in a, she was really badly injured and it and it took us talk about ABCs we went ABC down to Z on on her care and there was a lot of of stuff and it was tough and and it, going talk to the family of course to say okay here's the status of your daughter and yeah. it's not looking good and some tears and lots of tears and. And the department, as a result, got sort of slowed down as a result because I was actually, you know, spending most of my time with this one person um, and the family as opposed to seeing, you know, multiple people at the same time. Now, is that because of the the severity of yes. her case yes. or is that because, okay. Yeah, it was, she was just really sick and there was just a lot of shit. Everything else gets put on the back burner. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, so finally, you know, I sort of got that kind of dealt, dealt with, and I picked up the next chart because you know the day's not over yet, and you got to kind of you know pull up your pull up your pants and keep going. So off I go, and um, I uh, went over to a guy who was in our kind of slightly less acute area, and I looked at the chart, and it was abdominal pain or whatever it was, and I pull, uh, pulled back the the the, um, the curtain that was around him, and he was sitting on the edge of his stretcher with his legs swinging back and forth. And he said to me, as, as the opening line to me, as I'm pulling, I pulled the sheet, the thing back, and he says, it's about fucking time. Oh, man. <laughs> and I remember just sort of standing there, and time could have slowed down a little bit, and I just thought, you know, I've got two choices here. I can rip this guy's face off and yeah. tell him what I was just doing, um, but 
that's probably not a good avenue to try. I mean, luckily, I mean, it was probably a luck thing. Um, so I just uh, I stepped stepped back and I pulled the curtain back again, and I went for a walk around the department a couple of times, um, <laughs> and just thought. <laughs> <laughs> I probably said all the things I wanted to say to him, you know, to myself. And everybody else that's working the time is like, what the fuck is John doing? Right, he's going for a walk. Why is John yeah, talking right, to himself, right, walking right, around right, the With, oh with why his hands flying around. Yeah. Uh, and then I went back and I uh, pulled the curtain back and said, so let's try this again. And I introduced myself, Dr. John Ross, or John Ross, is, I don't use the doctor thing. And I don't know whether a nurse had snuck in there maybe in between, you know, the, my first visit and the second visit, but Buddy was, was a bit more sort of... Uh, well, I probably <laughs> felt like a fucking child. Yeah. <laughs> well, is, it, is, is there, uh, would that be, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not 100% familiar with what is deemed professional or unprofessional, like the nuances of that. In, yeah, could you have the... punched him in the face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really what, what? I wanted no, to know. So the, an- well, the answer is, of course, you can do anything you like. The consequences, there's a lot of paperwork to do, and, mm-hmm. and uh, that's probably not worth the effort. But he probably it, could have shoved something in his ass and just said that it was there when he came in. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We're going to oh, put you under a oh. little lo- uh, anesthetic. Bro, this is weird. I found a, I found a couch, a couch leg up your ass. Uh, <laughs> I think I found uh, the cause of your abdominal pain, sir. Those two cases were one and the same. Right. Um, <laughs> the, other, the other one was um, the other one was uh, was a guy. I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to say it out loud anyway. But the, so there's a guy who, thirty uh, something year old man, who was driving his car. He was very intoxicated. He had uh, two unrestrained kids in the car. One was killed in the car um, in the car crash, and one was over at the other at the children's hospital in Halifax, IWK, getting surgery. Unrestrained, like no no seatbelt. Mean mean no seatbelt exactly. Um, and uh, so he, this guy had a broken ankle, I think, and that was be- basically it. And he was, uh, he was on his stretcher, that, and, and after the sort of flurry of sort of making sure that he was basically okay and it was down to his ankle, he's on, he's, uh, he's de- on the stretcher and he's saying, I want this, I want that. And he's just like, oh, he's just being a complete dick. And, um, and I was the only one in the room at the time. And I'd called the, which I'm not really supposed to do. You can't call the police and say that there's an intoxicated man and he needs to have his uh, blood alcohol checked because uh, that's against the law to do that. Oh, really? No. Uh, yeah, well, so that, that's, a patient, you know, that's a patient confidentiality. Oh. If, it's a, if it's a gunshot wound, we can call the police. Okay. What uh, about stabbing? No. What? No. Not even stab? No, not stabbings and definitely not, uh, not, drinking, uh, a two, uh, not drinking and then driving a, t- a two-ton, three-ton vehicle into somebody. So anyway, so this guy, That's well, well, crazy. well, exactly. Yeah. So let me let me tell me. I'll, I'll, I'll now yes. confirm your your craziness. So I so feel like you have a workaround, though. I well, no, I, I had a potential workaround, which I again decided I would not do. But um, I, I stood in the doorway, and for a good 30, 60 seconds, I thought I can go over and, and squirt some stuff through his IV, and I can kill this guy. Yeah, I could. Yeah, and I and I, and I seriously. Was looking at weighing. I was weighing those options, thinking I can take, you know, I can take the the, the justice system into my own hands, because this guy, this guy was being like right in my face. He was mm. just being spitting, and uh, I thought I can just put this guy down right now. And 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 the stuff I was thinking about giving him will disappear. There'll be no trace. So what was it? Whoa. What was it that kept you from doing that? Uh, well, it's killing someone's, you know, on purpose. I mean, I probably but, done that. You know, sure, not on purpose. Sure, but but, but mm. like sitting there. Like f- contemplating it for that long, like yep. that's that's a good amount of time to think about that. So it then, is, what is it in the end that makes you walk away from that? It is the thin edge of the wedge. If you can if you can do it once, then yeah, right. it's like doing your fentanyl. 
Yeah. That, yeah. That, you know, I, mean, I don't think I would get the same euphoric high, but <laughs> but but it, it is one of those things that that you know c- completely wrong. I mean, mm. you know, I, I can I can judge this guy all I like. I'm not, you know who am I to do that? I can't take his life away. Mm-hmm. That's, obviously, that distance, but that, that's yeah. that's mm-hmm. murder. Mm-hmm. So uh, murdering someone for being a dick is unfortunately still not legal. This is- um, I thought well, I think yeah. you're gonna go. I think I know where you're gonna. No, you don't. Oh, okay. Um, okay so I was like, don't bring that up right now. So we're talking about. Um, <laughs> I didn't kill anyone. I swear, guys. I'm, I, I, I swear. Oh fuck. There's a story here. There's a story here. When you when you mentioned though that you're like patient confident confidentiality and you're not allowed to call uh, the police because of because of that. Um, I wonder, like working in in ER and overseeing like the operations at the QE2, what are some of the things that you would like to change if you could, and what are some of the things that you feel uh, have been working really well? Oh man, that's that 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 is a big topic, actually. I, I, I really, but, I'm, I'm actually just like dying to hear the end of the 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 drunk guy thing, though. Like, what ha- I I need to know what happened. Sure. Like, what happened there? You, he you didn't obviously die. you didn't kill him. No, but so but. But the police found out he was drunk. No, did they not? He never got charged. What the fucking what? <sighs> oh, never. Only, uh, I think something like about 11% of people who are drinking and driving actually get charged. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Though. His, no, so no, his no. son died. Yep. They, it, it, was just, it was just an accident. It was like, well, that was a car accident. Shit there was happens. No- yep. So in that scenario, an ambulance comes and takes them, and then like from that, from there on, it's like police can't be involved? So, so no, no, usually the police will come. So if the police come along with, with, the, with the car crash people, which they, they sometimes do, but not as much as one would like, um, then they will. They'll do a thing called a blood demand. Uh, the police will. Yeah, they'll do. They'll do a legal thing. They'll say, "Do you understand?" Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then the, the guy has a, an option to say, "Yes, I will allow the blood demand, the blood to be taken for to be tested," um, through a very legal thing. And I explain that in a second. Or they say no. If they refuse, it's actually better because then they're charged with refusal, which is the same the same charge or the same uh, weight um, as, as as getting being found. Um, uh, drunk, drunk driving. If if uh, they say yes to the blood uh, demand, then I go and confirm that they understand the, the what, what I'm doing. Uh, I'll take my blood sample, and then I and then I. So it's all basically there's a chain of uh, of custody. So mm-hmm. buddy will be the police officer will be in the room. They'll watch the the blood taking. They'll watch the little bottle. I give it to you know I sort of fill out some paperwork. I put it in a box and I give it to him. He then takes it to the lab. Someone else signs off. So everyone's got a, a series of signatures. They know that when they get a, a result, whatever it is, that that result is that guy. If there's no there's no question. Oops, sorry. That's okay. Um, so it's but the, 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 which is contrasted to say we take a say you come in and, you, and you've, been, you've been drinking and driving, uh, Taylor, and uh, and we do a blood sample on you, looking at your blood count and you know all the other stuff that we test, and one of those tests is an alcohol level, and it comes back as clearly three times what it should be. That is really difficult to do admissible to court because uh, again there's a teeny teeny chance that your blood sample might have been Jeremy's, right. So that's where your defense attorney will come in uh, as the now you're the uh, intoxicated guy and say, yeah, you know what? Uh, there's a chance that it was Jeremy's. Right. Mm-hmm. So that chain of custody in the in the in the in the scenario where he consents is the and even in, even within that, I mean, I mean, maybe that's just like my cop show thing where they're like the chain of custody was broken and we can't. Right. Well, uh, the, the, if, if it is, then then, it, then it's questionable. <clears throat> I mean, I've 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 not had to go to court. Very often for these, so normally, I, and I fill out a bit, bunch of paper. Once, once the paper thing and, and his level comes back, 
it's it's basically pretty clear. I mean, I, 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 I mean that. But it's and, very frustrating. <clears throat> and I that agree. question I mean, that you that asked, Bry, about away. about being, you know, what are the, some of the things that you want to change? I mean, and I, I know we're we're people that aren't involved in the system in any way, shape, or form, <clears throat> speculating that we probably feel like pretty. I'm sure I can speak for you, Brian and Jeremy, when we say that it, we feel like it should probably there should probably be a thing where if there's some, somebody in a car accident and you test their blood and there's alcohol in it. You, up. Should be able, yeah, you should be able to call the, call yeah, the cops. Yeah, yeah. Well, should be held accountable. Yeah. But, but yeah. To see, the trouble is that, again, you, you get into the thin edge of the wedge piece of, you know, then I start becoming an agent of the police system and right. the government. And, you know, really, when you come into the emergency department to see me, we have a one-on-one relationship. And you're going to tell me stuff that you would probably wouldn't, you would often wouldn't tell anybody else. Um, to be able to say, well, and by the way, you know, I might call the cops. Um, yeah. You know, depending on what you tell me, that, <laughs> yeah, that so. changes the relationship. And, it, and it's hard to, because you're right. I mean, get people get off with killing other people yeah. and they're not held accountable. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, no, 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 I was going to, I'm just like, I'm just filled with like rage. But right why? Now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, just, it just breaks my heart. It so many things don't make yeah. sense. No, exactly. And I'm sure that, that you, that's not the first time you've run up against or, or heard of situations like that. And, but for me, like just to hear that and not know that that, I mean, I, you know, I'm all for patient, um, confidentiality, but then it's like, well, fuck like that, that case, like that's where it doesn't make sense. Right. You know, and yeah, like that's the where the line has been crossed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Right. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll rephrase that question that I was going to m- okay, move sorry. on to. And sorry for cutting um, you off, Brian. No, no, I, just, I okay. was like, I was like, well, what about the guy? He'd like, you know, he did time for life, right? That's a good, yeah, nope. that's a good point. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll give it to you a little bit easier, I guess. And instead of saying what are some of the things, what is the one thing that that you guys or, or you have implemented or you've seen it being implemented in the hospital that has made it a better environment to work in. Oh. And then in contrast to that, following it up, what is one more thing that you would like to see changed or done better? Boy, you know, it, it, that... <laughs> I, I, my, 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 my wife over there probably is, and my, my son who's also here has uh, probably heard me talk about a bunch of things. You know, you know you've really, you've, you've, all, you've kind of got me stymied in terms of... of of because uh, the trouble is that so many of these of the things that we encounter as being kind of problems where they manifest in our department. Um, so wait, whether it's wait times, which would be a big thing, right? People go into the emergency department, they see a waiting room full of people, and you go, "Oh my God, I'm not going to be seen for six, seven, you know, eight hours." C- Quebec apparently has the longest wait times in the emergency department in the Western world. <laughs> oh, whoa, really? Like, like 12, 14 oh, hours. So you can imagine <clears throat> being a mom with your kid who's got a fever and you're worried, you know, is this meningitis or something? So you bundle up your other two kids and you take your febrile kid into the emergency department and you sit there for 6, 8, 12 mm-hmm. hours crying, blah, blah. So, you know, disaster. So, so wait times I would love to see improve. The is- trouble is that they're... They're a manifestation of system dif- dysfunction that's happening, kind of you know in uh, elsewhere. Right. So is is <clears throat> our wait times an accurate representation of the the success of a, a hospital? Because it's it's one of the numbers you hear most often from the outside world, right? So how accurate is that? I, I think if you have a if you have a functional hospital that's really working well, um, then wait times should be should be low. I mean, because you know. 
the idea is that if people perceive they have an emergency, I go back to, to your clavicle, you know, which is the worst pain that required fentanyl. It was a, it was, it was a big emergency for you, and you have CF. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a serious uh, illness. Um, but you perceive that this clavicle needed to be dealt with and pretty quickly, and so you go into emergency, and, and you know what? We should be dealing with those people because they do perceive they have an emergency. And if it turns out that you thought you had a, a fractured clavicle and it was just a bad bruise, well, then so be it. But at least I've assured you that you don't have something bad. Yeah, it, it was almost a compound fracture. It looked so gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> it was fucking super crazy. But, 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 you know, again, people end up waiting, um, and they don't know what this thing is on. And now they think, shit, man, I, I think I'm having a heart attack, and you seem to be kind of blowing me off. Why yeah. am I waiting with my heart attack? Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you explain triage, like how yeah. triage works and why it works the way it works? Yeah, so triage is a French word that means to sort. And so we um, take people in and, and we take their vital signs, we hear their story, uh, and then we put them into you know, five different categories to try and to figure out, okay, so who does need to come screaming in the door with CPR and who can walk down the hallway and sit on the bench to have their ankle x-ray done. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's kind of, you know, the two ends of the spectrum. And so we have to kind of do that, that sorting thing. And, um, and that's why people, when they sort of think, well, you know, I got in here before that guy. Okay, well, that guy told a better story than you did. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, do you have any triage hacks? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, like, though, actually, some I, cheats. Yeah, like I have yeah. tightness in my chest, or like my pain is on on a scale of one to ten. It's ten. Does that stuff work, or are they blah, good at reading it? Blah, blah 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 blah. I'm not helping you on that one. Okay, fair enough. Cause, <laughs> yeah, because oh, damn it, God damn it. Oh, was it? Then we're gonna have all your listeners all showing up with <laughs> yeah. Zach, and I go, oh. okay, you you guys listen to Sick Boy <clears throat> podcast, right? You know, so, I, I uh, I've been to the Q, uh, the QE2 hospital. I'm, and 99.7% of Canadians will probably hate me for saying this, but I always find wait times pretty good. <laughs> I, go, <laughs> I know, right? I'll go, that's also because I'll go to the QE2 at like 2 a.m. on a Wednesday Please night. Please send all your hate right, mail exactly. and there's no Taylor one there. at yeah. Sick Boy and, uh, and I go in and um, I wait for 10 minutes and then someone yeah. brings me around and I go, oh, what's all the fuss about? This yeah, yeah, and you drop some names. Oh, yeah, I know Dr. John Ross. Yeah, exactly, he said, yeah. you know, come here and I'll be seen immediately. Yeah, then they, yeah exactly. And then they go, oh. Yeah, yeah right. Perfect. I look at the end when, of line. When, yeah. when I broke my collarbone, I waited probably a good five hours before I got that fentanyl. And it was the worst five hours of... What they wanted to make the fentanyl worthwhile. Well, yeah, that was yeah, that was yeah, it. That yeah, was well, it. the way I, and the way I treated it was like, okay, this is, uh, this is the... This is Jeremy. This is your time to like really put your meditation practice to work. Right. You know, it was like you're 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 not. They're not rushing. You can tell. So, you know, start breathing and not count those another <coughs> clavicle fracture. Yeah. No. Know, right. <clears throat> Oh, oh, man, no, the but John, you should have seen it. It, like, it was my, my skin was tenting. Oh, it was tenting, so yeah, yeah. It was one of the tenting ones. <laughs> <laughs> sure. uh, I have, I have a, an actual question I've been dying to ask a, a doctor. An actual really. question? Don't yeah, die actual, to ask anything, yeah. okay? <laughs> well, yes, okay, okay. so anyway, um, it, it involves another emergency room story um, from back in my youth. Uh, I was probably. <laughs> You're still in your youth. <laughs> compared to you, I guess so, yeah. So, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. You'll have to speak up. What was that again? Jesus. <laughs> so, we're just going blow I'm really for blow. Right welcome now. here. Really so, uh, so I was, I was actually, I was probably 19 years old, and uh, I went out to dinner and I had this like really bad pain in my abdomen. 
one, one of, of your most favorite. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, right. Okay. so uh, I went to the emergency room, and it's there's it's a long you story in between. But tell, there wasn't a missing leg on your sofa at all. No, there wasn't. Not not that time. That was another time. <laughs> Patient confidentiality. Remember, yes, you're not supposed I to say know, anything about sorry, that. Sorry. We know each other I from before. I thought we were friends. Um, so anyway, I long story. It took me forever to get to the emergency room. I finally show up there, realize I don't have my health card, Ooh. okay? But I have an identical twin brother, and he has oh, his health yeah. card. Great. I so I use this. his health card, okay? I go in, appendicitis, have to have my appendix removed. Don't say anything oh, to the doctors. Your brother to the just doctors. had his appendix removed. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, so... Yeah, long story short, I had my appendix removed as my brother, okay? I tell this, I tell this story all the time, and people always say, oh, geez, you should really tell someone about that. But who the fuck do you tell? Yeah. Who do, what do I do, call the hospital up and go, hey, I'm actually, I'm Brian Stever, and my brother's Dennis Stever, and I use his health card, yes. so... Yes. Now, is that what you do? What department do yes. you call? John's looking at you going... Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what Idiot. you do. Yes, because I feel like this situation should be remediated. But well, like, I, I mean, let's go. Let's call? go to the more dramatic scenario where now Dennis has appendicitis right. and he goes into the hospital and he goes, "Here, here's my health card. Right. I need to have this out." And they're like. It's already, it's already gone. Yeah, it's, <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, they say it to him like he's in a sci-fi movie. Like he's what? in Inception. It's already gone. <laughs> what would happen though? I'd well, I would look like on that. the list of things I'm thinking about. And say, oh, it can't be appendicitis because it's already gone, right? Yeah. So, so I, my you, brother you, could be at, at risk right now. You need to. Your so brother's do, always at risk. You, you, need to, you need to leave right now and make that call. Yeah. <laughs> this is an emergency. Yeah. We should maybe we should call him on the podcast over right now. Yeah. Um, so do, do you have a family doctor? I do, yes. Uh, call your family doctor and they can probably send a letter to someone. Okay. And please, for the love of fuck, record that conversation because I gotta <laughs> get that in front of the show. That's so good. That'll be an addendum to the show. Yeah. Um, I have, there is one thing that I wanna, I, I, we, we're coming up to an hour and I know that we, ha- we want to, um, the, the McKay Lyon family wanted to have dinner, hook us up with some dinner. So um, uh, we should wrap it up soon. But I do know this, and there's two things that I wanna uh, touch on. If you guys are okay, Oh, I thought one, that was one of your fingers is fell uh, off. Yeah, oh God, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, uh, if you guys are okay with it, I want I want to ask one question um, about um, uh, your experience with ER, and then there's a, a couple of rapid fire questions that I think would be really interesting if, if you guys are cool. <clears throat> Go for and it. If you have any to think of, think of them. Sure. Um, so I know that through emails with Matthew, who set this whole thing up, is uh, he said that you had once called in a code orange. Oh yeah. What is Matthew? A, what is a code orange? Jesus. And uh, <laughs> and and can you kind of go through the coding system? <clears throat> a little test. A little isn't that quiz. isn't that when Donald Trump walks into the hospital? <laughs> oh, hey. so <laughs> Fuck that guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, hey, moving that's, on. That's influencing the whole election. Oh my god! Um, so can you can you run us through what the yeah. what the code system code is and what they are, and then what a code mm. orange is and why you called it? Well, yeah. So there are a bunch of code. You know, I, I don't think I could even remember most of the code. I mean, there's a code white, uh, which I think is a missing person. There's a code yellow, which is something else. There's a code red. Guess what that one is. Uh, Medical emergency. Fire. Fire. Yeah. Good. Good. Fire, fire, fire. Oh, God. I was wrong. I had to wait for you to go. Fire. Fire. I know. Fire. Is Code Black, there is that show Code Black. Is that yeah, a real code thing? Code Black. Code Black is. Full beds that or something? That doesn't sound good to me. 
Um, I, yeah. don't, I don't know. It sounds like something made up. Died or fictional. I got, I got like a show. I, got anyway. I can write from them off. Code red, fire. Oh, there you code go. blue, cardiac arrest. Code okay. orange, we'll save that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, code green, evacuation. Ooh. Code yellow, missing patient. Code amber, missing or abducted infant or child. That's, that makes sense. Code amber. Uh, the amber alert. Code black, bomb threat. Oh, bomb threat. There you go. Uh, code white, aggression. Aggression. Co- code brown. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. Something in a bite. So the nurse, know that one? The, nurses, the nurses talk about a code brown, and you can <laughs> guess exactly what that is. They put a whole bib on with, with, with calving gloves on, well, a code, and they go in to clean up the... It's you know. a oh, no. hazardous spill. Yeah, well, it's, oh. uh, yeah. But it's usually That's, a human hazardous spill. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love that it's under code brown. <laughs> oh, how old are we? Code gray, uh, system failure, and code pink, p- uh, pediatric emergency. Okay. And or uh, obstetrical, obstet- obstetrical, obstetrical yeah. emergency. Yeah. What's obstetrical? Yeah. Babies. Oh, oh, little babies. Um, so that's the. But then the code orange. Oh my fuck, dude! Whoa, disaster or mass casualties? Right. Oh no. Oh wow! Were you were you the ER doc for the? Well, so I've actually called the code orange on a few occasions. One was uh, a plane. Oh, in fact, I was on when the um, when the uh, Swiss Air. Swiss Air, thank you, exactly. Swiss Air went down. So oh I was my gosh! That night. We actually did call in a code orange for that, and that turned out to be unfortunately, no one came in. Um, but we had the whole hospital basically prepped for incoming casualties. Wow, that was, that was a while ago. For people um, who don't know, that was a a pretty big yes, deal here in Nova Scotia. Yeah. It was. Uh, 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 an airplane had just kind of went down out of nowhere, straight down, like right next to Peggy's Cove, which yeah. is on the coast here in Nova Scotia, and uh, and the plane disintegrated, and everybody that was on it um, uh, passed away. Yep. And uh, I know I know a couple of people who, whose parents are first responders, police officers, and, oh, and it, it left them pretty absolutely pretty shook up. Well, for weeks afterwards, and the, then there was the the cleanup. Uh, and and trying to get you know, mm-hmm. bits and pieces back of of the, of the aircraft and, and and people and and they uh, the, the that uh, several hangars over in Shearwater and they were trying to put you know uh, placing the bodies back together yeah it's it's a it was it's, a I mean grisly grisly but also <laughs> fascinating oh I mean, no absolutely. it's a it's a fascinating thing that you know and and kudos to everybody that was involved with that because I mean talk about I, that is I cannot imagine the the difficulty of that of that puzzle, but yep. also the 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 emotional toll that that would take on anyone who has to be involved in that, because that's um, oh, yeah, it was it was it was, it was difficult. Yeah, for, obviously everybody. <laughs> so that code orange was it was interesting because uh, I was still you know reasonably new in the game. I, I can't remember how, how far you know where where I was, but it doesn't matter. But but just calling the code orange and then the this the the system worked. I mean, people were absolutely. Helpful. The hospital cleared itself out. There were people calling. Okay, how can I help? And we we had we had everybody organized in little pods. How does that work? Like, if you got a, a bunch of people that are in the emergency room, or you got a bunch of people that are admitted, all, all of a sudden you find space. You just which, find which it. is the interesting thing around again. You know, overcrowded days, and we're, sure. oh, we're grinding along, and then and then which which is the code orange that Matt's talking about. So I was the chief of the department at that point, um, and uh, we'd had a, a series of just. Grinding, bad, long wait times. Um, people admitted in our department for sometimes days on end, not going anywhere because there were no beds upstairs. The hospital was full, uh, and it was just it was just imp- it was impossible. And the ambulance guys were were arriving. They kept coming with more people, and they'd be in the hallways for for again hours and hours and hours with no place to go. Uh, and so you know it, that I, I can't really describe the 
the profound uh, um, um, d- depression, sadness, aggravation, frustration of working in a place like that. Because you just can't do the job you're supposed to do. Mm. So that went on. And, and, I, um, and so anyway, one evening I called the, the higher-ups and said, you know, here we are again. And I was kind of got this sort of, you know, um, fairly non-helpful, well, see what you can do kind of stuff. So the next morning I showed up to work and it was still the same. So I, I called a code orange, which is a external disaster. That's a plane going down, a bus rolling over. Um, but we had an internal disaster. I mean, the, yeah. the, 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 the hospital was not working. And uh, so we called a code orange. I called a code orange. And uh, the whole hospital ground to a halt. And then the phones ran, lay, rang up. And then people, you know, so we, so we actually made the place move. But there was a major shitstorm from me doing that because, oh, of course, no that doubt. was the wrong code. Well, when you read out your list, there was no internal disaster list, right? Nope. Right. Um, so it was a uh, – and I thought about doing a code orange for this purpose for months, but just never quite had the uh, – it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it caused huge – huge grief. Um, the hospital administration was really pissed off. The good news is that even though the hospital administration was pissed off, the community was like 97% in favor. There was a radio call-in show. A day, this, so this became a national news story, um, which uh, totally, totally unknown to me. This was like, there is shit going on here and I got to deal with it. Code Orange happens. No idea about the media. No idea about any of that stuff. You're just going on no, about your I day just, and everything. The do whole this. world is like, John Ross, right, John right. Ross. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so there was a, there was a media, uh, there was a radio call-in show and, they, and this was one of the big questions, people calling in. And anyway, so it was great because there was, you know, huge support. Um, I, in fact, as, as other parts of this, I got, I got all sorts of letters from people I've never seen before from across the province. Um, and in fact, one, one woman sent me, I think it was off her chandelier. Um, she sent me this kind of big, um, uh, big metal thing that, that was supposed to be a medal for, for, for doing this. So anyway, again, I think it was like <laughs> someone else, someone else sent you a, a, a couch chair. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Here, right. What the this fuck is, is my this? favorite object. <laughs> <laughs> it's yours, pal. This is for you. It was on a gold chain. So it was nice. I had some bling along with it. But, but you know, it was, it was one of those things though, that clearly, um, you know, the community knew that the place was plugged, that they were not getting the service mm. they wanted. Um, and, uh, it was and basically a metaphor for the, 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 la- the, leg, sh- the, the leg chair. The place was totally plugged. We had to make a surgical removal. I think it's super badass. <laughs> yeah. it, it, now, you said that, and I just read, that that's, it's not there. It's not within the, code, the color code. Right. Uh, was there any discussion that, like, oh, you know, what well, John did that day, we that we should fucking have like an internal crisis, right? Code. Well, absolutely. So, so well, within forty five minutes, the guy who does the manages the, the the external disaster stuff said, well, that's not the right code, and so they called it off uh, without actually talking to me. Um, there was a, a group of doctors that were having their kind of teaching um, session. They started laughing when they heard what it was. So then they were actually part of the problem. So there, there was a, n- a number of really interesting kind of cultural things that were happening that sort of show, you know, reared their ugly heads as part of this whole exercise. Um, but as a result of that uh, thing, and I guess the way it sort of unfolded, I ended up getting a job later on with the province to pr- provide advice <coughs> to trying to fix the emergency care system. So it kind of, you know, I sort of hit some glass ceilings in terms of, of, uh, of, of people acknowledging that there was a problem, and so I managed to get a job that actually moved around. And so you, you, <laughs> nice. say, you say that you, you didn't really, like it wasn't, your intention obviously wasn't to get it in, in the media or anything like that. Um, so what was your intention? Was your intention to, to just change the problem, like to make yeah. a statement, yes. or was it no, to, no. or it, was it? 
it was well, it wasn't like you just being frustrated with the the day to day. It was the fact that you wanted to say like, "Hey guys, hey everybody who will be impacted by this code, we have we have a fucking problem happening here." Right. And we I, need to change. I need you all to focus. So, so in past code oranges that we've used, and they're very, very infrequent, but, you know, the whole hospital stops and says, okay, we've got one problem that we all need to work on. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, instead of all us working on our own little things um, in various cul-de-sacs around the hospital, we all have one common issue. We're all going to work together to fix this. And that's what happens with the code oranges. Did- so that, that, you know, that happened. I mean, they opened up some beds. They, you know, people flowed. We actually Figured broke up the log. So, make it work. so the goal yeah. of, the lo- of, the, of the code orange actually worked. We actually broke up the log jam. But it was a, you know, using a tool that is not the right tool, theoretically, mm. for getting the job done. <laughs> um, so I've got just a few rapid-fire questions, and, and okay. I'm going to ask you to answer them as, as, uh, yes, as no. short as possible. Yeah, exactly, as short as possible. Uh, because Concisely, we, we, I think, is the thanks, word thank that you, you're working thank you, for. That, that's thank a grammar you, grammar, grammar bud. Um, so uh, the first one, uh, do, you, do you remember uh, uh, like a, the funniest moment you ever had in the ER? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the next one. Uh, and what, what was that? <laughs> Well, geez, you know there are funny. There are there there are there are lots of funny moments. I guess you. They, I guess you have to find. It's like scrubs. Funny moments, right? It's like scrubs yeah. all day <laughs> yeah, long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, I mean, again, one that just sort of quickly kind of pops to mind, and it's quite a quite a large woman came in. She was complaining of bleeding from her from her bum. Oh no, bottom. <clears throat> yes, never good. Not never good. Not good right. And she was, you know, quite big. So anyway, in, in trying to examine this particular part of her body, which is, you know, the the whole part. I had to spread her, her cheeks apart to try and get in there. Oh my God, John, this quite, is your job. Quite large cheeks. Yeah, <laughs> oh that's right. Oh my God. So in, in between her, her cheeks and getting closer to that hole that I was looking for was a perfectly um, shaped and perfectly preserved maple leaf. Oh <laughs> my what? Yeah, God. Whoa, that yeah. took a turn. <laughs> it wasn't blood. It was just maple leaf juice? It was just maple. It was it was ma- like, there was a maple leaf. I mean, maybe there was blood in there too, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was completely distracted by the leaf. <laughs> so there's, there's a bit more. So, um, so I pulled that out and said, oh, uh, okay. Here you go. <laughs> just throw it, throw it Here, over your shoulder. <laughs> here's your leaf. <laughs> um, oh my which God. I love fall too. I obviously met, this is a kind of a fall. Story, I guess that's why I thought of it. Did you say uh, you wouldn't believe what I found oh, in here? Oh, <laughs> nice. God, nice. Thank, Thank you, Brian. I wish Thank you'd you, been Brian. there. We gotta start working together, pal. This yeah, is good. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Good so synergy. Then I was, um, because it was a, a bleeding story, I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll go and examine other parts. So I, I listened to, I had to listen to her heart and your lungs and the usual sort of stuff. So I moved, she had quite large breasts too, so I, I moved. Her, lifted up her, her breast to kind of get down to where the heart is, sort of under her left breast, and there was a perfectly formed... Get the fuck out of here, John. Stop it. Don't even finish that sentence. What? No, no, it wasn't leaf. Oh, okay. No, no, she wasn't rolling the leaves a and perfect, it got everywhere. And there was a perfectly formed squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> what the fucking... What? No, but there was a perfectly formed potato chip, and I think it was one of those Pringles. No. Because it had the ruffle, it had the ruffle no. sort of thing. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. no. So I pulled that out and sort of, you know... 
didn't know what to do that either. Did you oh, laugh? Like, are you laughing? Well, I, was, I mean, like, are you? It was are, a you little must bit be... hard not to. It's like, oh. Was she laughing? Was she like, oh oops. no? Oops, that's right, the chip. I won't have a snack. <laughs> oh, there's my potato chip. Oh, oh my. Holy oh, shit! My. Okay, does that does that sort of suit Why your? Why was her butt your bleeding though? Did we figure that out? I. No, who knows? No, who cares? Right. It, that, we don't. We need just to told her what yet. she didn't have, yeah, and she right. went home. Exactly. <laughs> Here's good news: you don't have the following things. Get out. Um, is your writing shit? No. Oh, that's good. Yeah. What's the deal with doctors writing? Um, I know. It's it's like know. A, some of my colleagues. It is horrible. It's crazy. Which is really frustrating, right? So so they see somebody and they they scribble their scribble, and then the, you know the person comes back three days later with you know it's not getting better, and you pull up the chart and you go. Uh, I have yeah, why? no idea what this says. Yeah, which is yeah. horrible. And, and but you know, there's a medical legal issue to that too, uh, which can c- could swing either way. Is that you could go to court and say, well, of course I did that. It's, it's written right here. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Or you didn't do that. So anyway, mm-hmm. no. Doctors you can just basically make up whatever he wants to that that it, or he or some she. people are very good. What's your favorite medical show? <clears throat> um, or your favorite uh, medical uh, movie? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, it's a lot like work to watch those things. I used to watch ER a little bit, but I, I found it was, it was like too much like work. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you, did you ever have like a, Scrubs and, is and, okay. and I know I'm going to say this, it's going to sound not like what I'm trying to ask. Do you have okay, a doctor, okay. do you have a doctor fantasy? So do you, do you have, did you ever have like a, I know, fuck. And did you ever have like a, a sort of a, a pay, like a, a subject that you were like, wow, it would be really neat to work on someone who comes into the hospital with like something that fascinates you, like Ebola or, or something that oh. you never really had a chance to like. I don't think an emergency mean, doctor deals with Ebola. Maybe they yeah, do. Well, I don't do. know. You yeah. fucking do in, in Africa. You're, you're you living in, in Ebola land. You yeah. Do, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Do you, is it weird to <laughs> fantasize about somebody coming in with something that's destroying well, them? Well, no, I, I mean, I don't, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm just speaking, yeah. is it sick? Okay, that's, yeah. really, maybe it's just me. It's I mean, if you're boy. looking at the human yeah. body as something as a fascinating <clears throat> subject, then you want to, you know, fix and figure out and deal with and help people, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but I feel like if I was, I'd go, oh, wow, it would be really interesting. Because I sit here and I go, I host this podcast and I would love to speak to someone with X, Y, and Z, you know, and that's not weird to me. So is no, it so weird saying. to ask? Like, would is there a, is there a, a a diagnosis or a or a uh, an illness or a disease that you would love to kind of get your hands on and try to work out or figure out? Boy, um, so obviously, if I'm delaying and, and blah, 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 talking like that, then <laughs> nothing quickly is coming to mind. I've, I've been pretty lucky in my in my career that. Um, I've actually worked in a, in a bunch of different countries along the way too. So, mm. so if there, cause I, you know, there was, I wanted to see more of something or I wanted to work in a place where it was uh, more resource challenged. I just went, actually went and did it. Um, right. my, my, my wife again and my son and my other son were, were all patient enough that we actually all went off together or they would allow me to, uh, to go off to Africa and work, uh, work there, teach there. And we lived in Malaysia for a year and, uh, and I've taught all. I've, I've taught in a bunch of places around the world. So I, you know, I've I've actually I've been really lucky to say that you know I, I'd like to try this, and th- then I just go and do it. Have right. you Have you ever <laughs> been in a in a Ebola affected area? I've I've uh, no, I've not been in uh, when when Ebola was around. I, I was actually um, I almost went and, and took part of this, the SARS, which was the uh, oh, thing yeah. that happened a number of years ago, mm-hmm. and that was mostly in in, in Ontario, Toronto. Um, I almost went there to help out. 
the to down- Toronto. To, to that, yeah, exactly. Because because they were getting people that were being affected, and then they're they're taken out of the mix, and they have to go and and be uh, be an exclusion for a mm-hmm. number of years. So the trouble with with going to that it was it was going to be a, like a really big commitment to to go and do that. First of all, leave leave here where, where we were a bit tight. But then, if you ever got exposed to anything, then you're you're then held yeah. in quarantine for for you know weeks and weeks and weeks. So mm-hmm. it was just one of those things. I thought yeah, you know it'd be interesting to be sort of part of that, but but really yeah, I just I don't need it. And I had a young family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's your proudest moment? Um, well, I guess we probably are. I, I, you might have gone proudest, through it, yeah. Proudest moment. I get, I get a zillion proudest moments. Okay. Uh, again, m- much of it's family related, but um, I would say for, for professionally, probably um, probably doing the Code Orange and just saying, you know, fuck it, it's time to do this. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has being an ER doc uh, taken away from you? Um... Uh, my naivete, somewhat. Uh, I, I, pr- I probably I aged faster than I than I would if I wasn't doing this kind of job. Mm. Um, um, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, and, I, and I, as a result, I, I'm, I'm at the end of my career now. I'm probably um, a bit burnt out from uh, from being passionate about what I do to the point of you know, giving a lot. And sometimes you're giving your giving zone, so your tank gets a bit low. Mm. I just want to piggyback on that. Um, does is it hard to to leave work and really leave work and mm-hmm. go home to your family and and stop thinking about the things that you experienced in the workplace that day? If you want a quick answer to this, can I just uh, I'll give you a, can I give you a, a, a medium a medium quick please do. Um, so I was chief again going back to chief <laughs> days the place was was backed up this is probably pre code orange I think. Um, in fact, it was, and uh, and the place was was crazy, and and I, and I remember being, in, I was doing my office job that day, and I'd been doing stuff, and I was, I walked through the department, it was seven o'clock at night, and the place was crazy, and I thought, you know, I could just, I can stop and roll up my sleeves, and you know, try, see if I can find a bed for one more patient somewhere, and help the guys, or you know, I thought, oh, God, I, I gotta get, I, I just have to get the hell out of here. I was on call for trauma team that night. So as a trauma team leader, it's kind of like being the orchestra, uh, the orchestra conductor of a of a multidisciplinary team. I got called in around oh, 11, 12 o'clock at night um, for a two-person car crash, um, um, and. The, both of these guys were really, really sick. One guy ended up having a high C-spine injury, um, was paralyzed. And these are both young kids, too. They're like 20, 21, 22. Um, but collapsed along, bro- you know, broken bits, head injuries, and, and all sorts of horrible stuff. Um, but the team I was working with, man, it just, it just went. I mean, we were truly like, uh, like a really well-greased, well-oiled machine. And I was proud to be part of these guys. You know, I'd say I, I had goosebumps at, at, at periods thinking, you know, th- things are just happening. And again, sick people, but we managed to keep these guys alive and got the job done. And, uh, you know, I, as I'm going home at about 2 o'clock, 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning, I talk to both families and you know, lots of tears, blah, blah, blah. I um, shouldn't say blah, blah, blah at the end of that. It was, they're all, they're all truly, we're with you. We're, we're okay, truly, yeah. truly emotional. Yeah. Things, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So, so 3, yeah, that's probably better. better. <laughs> so, um, so 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm walking home, and I thought, you know, Reflecting on that, that those were those were difficult cases. I don't know how they're going to do, but you know we, we gave it our best shot, and I really am kind of proud and felt really good about that. Meanwhile, you know, I contrasted it to walking through the department earlier in the day and just being you know completely frustrated, unable to to make a difference with those people, mm-hmm. uh, unable to penetrate this fucking system, um, and you know and that you know so so you know 
satisfied with one part and unbelievably, unspeakably aggravated and angry about the other part of the job. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that sort of answered your question in a long yeah, way. It, it does, and, and I, I kind of get that in a more trivial way with the work that, like, w with my work life. Like, some days I, I'm really frustrated, and it just sits with me. And, and even though I'm not at the workplace or not focused on doing work, I still feel that that feeling of 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 just being upset and disappointed with the situation. But in other days I leave work or leave my work life feeling invigorated, and that just spills over and makes the rest of my life yeah. Feel amazing makes, too. Makes it worthwhile. Uh, Jerry, you were going to go on to the yeah. The, the final, last one. the final one is what has being an ER doc given you? What has been an ER doc given me? Um, a, a, a completely amazing roller coaster ride. Um, uh, and you know, I mean, it's it's been a good living. I've, I've taken my family on teaching gigs, uh, certainly across Canada. We've gone on some great ski trips together with Ed Whistler. You know, for for a conference that I get invited to. Um, I've traveled all over the world. Um, I've met some amazing people. I've heard some inc incredible stories. I work with a team of people that are, that are, that are you know beyond anything. They're just incredibly talented, giving. Uh, you know, again, despite those frustrations, there they are the next day, right? They're just mm -hmm. they're rolling up their sleeves and they're giving and they're giving it their best shot. Um, I'm lucky. I work in a teaching hospital where I'm where I'm, I'm challenged by medical students and and residents and other learners. Um, and uh, so I, you know, the teaching part is is really fun to watch the light the light go on. It's their first time at diagnosing appendicitis, for instance. And uh, and so I get to share vi vicariously those exciting moments over and over mm. again. And, um, no, it's it's uh, it's 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 fantastic. Sweet. And you know, it, although you know, here I am dealing with with sick people, so it's it shouldn't be fantastic. But you know, I'm in the shit happens business, mm -hmm. and and I take um, I think I take pride in in trying to be good at, at dealing with shit. Well, John, thank you for taking your time to come hang out with us <coughs> in this this beautiful beautiful place. Um, it was really fun. I no. feel like there's so much more we could unpackage, like with your travels and, and, and other things. And who knows, maybe we'll get you back on the podcast sometime. Well, th this has been a, an incredible honor for me, honestly. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I sort of fit necessarily your normal sort of demographic, but uh, maybe I do. But anyway, I, this has been fantastic. You do now. Yeah, yeah, there you, you go. You do now. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was really great to have you. And, and yeah. thank you, everybody in the background here. Yeah. I'm now looking around really for the first time and actually acknowledging right. that there's people, people here in people the background. So I hope you guys enjoyed the, uh, the conversation and, and had a good time. And, and thank, thank you to Matt, actually, for pimping for me, too. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say, on the thank yous, thank you, Matt. And uh, thank yeah. you, Brian, for yes. uh, building this beautiful yeah. place. And thank you to Showback Farms. Uh, man, what a what a gorgeous gorgeous spot! If you have uh, a moment to to you know, I don't know somehow. I, can people come out here and see it? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> just sneak your way on, sneak your way on uh, <laughs> right. late in the night, and just stay. Um, but no, thank you to Showback Farms for inviting us out here, and uh, this has been a really special night for us. Yeah. And uh, thank you all for listening. Um, yeah, thank uh, you. This this wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for all of our listeners. Um, uh, especially our, our Patreon contributors, um, uh, everyone who goes over to www.patreon.com slash sickboy and, and, um, and contributes to our project, uh, just helps us keep this project going. And we wouldn't be doing cool things like this and talking to amazing people like John if it wasn't for those people. So, um, take a moment, go to check us out on Patreon. And, uh, while you're at that, keep us on the iTunes charts. We've been doing really well so far. Um, uh, go on over to iTunes, give us a rating and review. 
And uh, check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. LinkedIn. All that shit. Yeah, <laughs> definitely on LinkedIn, 100%. We probably sent you several invites to join us. Uh, that is it for today. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.